Well, war rages on. Commodity prices are still rising, although oil has dipped back a little this morning. We'll look at why that is today. We'll also look at what Jerome Powell said on day two on Capitol Hill. Obviously talking inflation, which is now driven by jobs, because it's still got that great resignation going on, and commodities. And on that, the Aussie dollar doing well out of those rising commodity prices. It's Friday, the 4th of March, 2022. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, a move up in the US dollar today, it's up 0.4% on the DXY. It almost got to 98, which is territory it's not been in since the start of the pandemic. Still, the Aussie is climbing even against that strong US dollar with the Aussie up 0.4% this morning. The euro and pound are down half a percent. Less moving in bond yields today. Ten-year treasuries are down three basis points. Ten-year guilds are up four. German bond yields down just one basis point. And oil ever higher. Well, it was. Brent uh, almost hit a dollar, uh, 128 today. Uh, it's hitting 10-year highs. It's actually down to 111 now. So actually, a 1.6% fall. A WTI is also down 1.8%. But it was rising in the uh, first half of the session. Coal is back down a bit as well. Uh, but as Dave was saying yesterday, we've seen an astronomical rise in the last week or so. European natural gas futures hit an all-time high of uh, 200 euros today as well. None of this is helping stocks. We did suggest yesterday... Uh, that there might have been a bit of opportunism, which is why stocks came bouncing back, because they're down again today, but they are very volatile. The Dow is down 0.4%. The S&P 500 is down 0.6%. The Nasdaq lost 1.7%. And uh, we've got a 2.6% fall in the FTSE 100, and the Eurostox 50 uh, has lost more than 2% as well. And the war continues. Vladimir Putin has been addressing his people, explaining how brave the peacekeepers from Russia are, even though... We are now seeing drone shots of numerous apartment blocks destroyed, some grazed to the ground. Clearly, the fight is becoming more intense. There's no obvious endgame to this. So here's NAB's Gavin Friend. With that in mind, if we look, uh, Gavin, at European equities, if we look at the DAX over the last month, it's it's 11% down. That doesn't actually seem a lot, given the, the, the scale of the uncertainty that we have before us. Morning, Phil. It's certainly been a day of, I think, mixed news, mixed price action. The, the point I would pick up on the, 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 the drop in European shares today is, is that they're now, as of today, faring worse year to date than uh, their cousins in the US, reversing the early year gains. Remember, you've got to look at it in the context of that, that Europe was the place to go on valuations and um, the different makeup of the stocks over there you know, in in the sort of um, environment we were in prior to this uh, military uh, invasion. Um, and so, you know, I think that's right. You know, Europe is at the epicenter of this <clears throat> and markets have uh, picked up on that. And we're, ne- we're now unwinding those gains because it's, a, it's about the preservation of capital, isn't it, really, for investors on that. To your point, I mean, about bond yields, they have basically been consolidating I think you're right, really, there. Um, the, the rise in yields that we saw from um, the session on Wednesday when we heard Fed Chair Jay Powell, you know, reiterate and, you know, basically um, come out with a line that most people thought he would do, which is <clears throat> the U.S. in this moment has got to tackle inflation. And that he, you know, he, he wants to see, uh, he's, he's, you know, he's um, still of mind to hike rates, 25 basis points on the 16th of March, and then follow that with a series of hikes. And then he thinks that the, um, the, the, the committee will be able to agree on uh, balance sheet reduction in the coming months. And he repeated that again. Thursday, yeah, back on Capitol Hill today, but he uh, or yesterday, but he was he was also 
a little bit more pessimistic on the outlook, wasn't he? Because he was saying, you know, commodity prices obviously could have their effect, uh, but also, you know, not just inflation, but also slowing the economy. He didn't talk so much about slowing the economy yesterday. He sort of took that angle a bit more today. That's right. It's quite often with these big semi-annual, these big set piece, you know, uh, things he does, testaments he does on Capitol Hill that you get the same, you get the same speech, but a different Q&A to a different panel, of course. Yeah. And, you know, he enlarges on things. And to your point, I mean, he said all of that stuff, but it's too soon to say for sure, really. The, the, the big question now, he said, is we have this ongoing war. Um, you know, what will be the response from nations around the world, including sanctions? And how will any of that change, you know, um, the course of monetary policy in the US? Too soon to say. Uh, for sure. But for now, we need to proceed carefully and along the lines of the plan, emphasizing that flexibility is is critical, as it is too soon to know what this uh, this ge- geopolitical sort of tumult mm. would mean for the American economy. Um, so you might, you might infer from that that a Fed chair is talking the talk, but might not necessarily walk the walk um, if the incoming data and the impact suggests otherwise. But, you know, with the U.S., you know, inflation expectations, as investors will know, are right back up at sort of 272, yeah. 275 in the 10-year anyway, 10 year, uh, which is, you know, multi-decade range highs, basically. The US is not alone there. The same thing is going on in the UK and Germany and what have you, because markets have become, you know, unhinged by what's going on. And the yeah. idea that we don't, to your point, we don't have an end game ready on this. It looks like we're getting into the hard yards of much more violent guerrilla warfare, um, and, you know, to that point, then, does this mean that this thing is going to be going on for a much longer period? Um, Nobody knows. But um, that's, and we, and with that, that's, that's going to push up commodity prices even more. And, and, and we've seen in the data as well that the, you know, the wages are going up. There's that tight labor market that's been pushing wages up. We had the ISM numbers from the, from the US uh, overnight. Uh, which actually showed a bit of a, a surprising fall, actually. And, um, I mean, it, numbers over 50 are increasing, so it's still increasing, but not the same rate. So from 59.9 in January to 56.5 in, in February, but prices have picked up faster, and the employment number is is actually below 50. So that is actually contracting. So less jobs, more of that great resignation, and people demanding more money. Yeah, I mean, that ISM services number... It undershot the expectations by quite some margin. I mean, you look at that, 56.5 against a, a forecast of 61 change. You look at that on a chart now, and it's, you know, way back from the 68.4 high in November. 56 and change is, is basically below or close to the average since 2016. Middling, I guess, might be a, a phrase that comes to mind when you look at that. With, and to your point with the employment component contracting at 48 and a half prices. I mean, I wouldn't get too, you know, excited about prices. 83, they are roughly where they've been for the last five months, give or take. It is, however, on the headline, the third straight decline. One observation, though, would be um, the data doesn't really mesh with what we're seeing in the Google mobility data. And you would expect, because this is the service sector, it's 80% of the economy, you'd expect, you know, activity to be picking up as the Omicron restrictions fade, as they have done in Europe and the UK with the PMI data there showing a quite tidy rebound yeah. for the, you know, for, for the month of February. Not as good as the preliminary numbers we got a week and a half ago, but still good at 60 in the UK. Um, so, so I guess, you know, you would say what's going on with the US? Was it a weather effect? 
the, the, I note plenty of um, research analysts coming out suggesting expect March to rebound. Mm. We'll see. On the face of it, though, I mean, that's one thing that basically, you know, is, is just confusing markets a little bit but is today. It, is, fact- is, yeah, is it people asking for more money? Is that, is that, is that what happening? Is, is the contraction actually because people are saying, well, I'm not going to work for that money anymore, and, and well, we, well, that's, that's holding back the growth? We absolutely know that, um, you know, the, there is a very tight labour market. There's a missing few million workers, as there is in the UK, 1.3 million, and we know that that situation... I don't think any of us fully understand what's going on there. And we're not going to understand until the fullness of time. We know there are various factors that have been well debated at the driving that. And, uh, you know, we'll get another look at that with the non-farm payroll report, I guess, um, you know, later and, and on today. On that, absolutely. And wages in that are going to be uh, perhaps the most interesting figure out of, out of all of that, because uh, the number of people employed, that can, that can come and go. But wages, obviously, are uh, a little bit more uh, established. But on, uh, that's an inflation worry, obviously. But, the, you know, the elephant in the room, uh, commodities. I mean, oil came down a bit today. That was I think part of that was because there's the hope of an Iran deal. Uh, you'd imagine that they'd be fast tracking that if it can ease oil prices, but that uh, that might be just a drop in the ocean compared to the uh, the, the ongoing supply problems we are going to face. Yeah, I mean, so you know, if you think about today in Europe, it started with commodity prices, oil, um, you know, a bunch of a basket of, of commodities, the, the Bloomberg commodity units, yeah. BCOM, uh, gas prices absolutely going through the roof uh, because of this. You know the conversation we just talked about in terms of where's this, where's this military conflict going, um, and then to your point about um, the speculation that this, this this long debated but still not agreed deal to bring uh, Iranian oil back onto the market and and some sixty million barrels apparently in stock that deal may conclude soon it's been on and off um now you would say that iran is 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 probably only able to export two and a half to three million barrels a day out of a product total production of about four million barrels a day that's below what russia can produce five or six million barrels per day but any port in a storm and so that's why mm. uh, oil has come back down again nat gas come up has come off as well no reason really why that should given the uncertainty on um, on, on, on the battle. So um, we have to wait and see where it goes. But, I mean, it seems like the general direction is going to be up, which obviously helped the Aussie trade balance, right? and it will in the future as well. So we've got a $13 billion uh, surplus in January. The consensus was it was going to be $9 billion. Uh, this is actually the second highest on record, uh, thanks to coal, which we talked about yesterday, because back in demand, and iron ore. Uh, so Australia, not you know, not a big trading partner with Russia, but lots of commodity exports. So no surprise then, the Aussie dollar is holding up against uh, most other currencies. It looks like that might continue that way for some time. Yeah, I mean, a couple of things, you know, surging prices for agricultural and energy uh, Mm. commodities in general. And it looks like, just looking at this, it looks like, you know, if if we're right with what, you know, where where markets seem to think this battle is going, we're going to probably, you know, get to new um, new highs on the on the trade surplus. I mean, there's that. You you say no surprise that the Aussie is holding up. I mean, I think FX markets have been have been surprised because in, in such an environment, you'd have thought you know risk yeah. high beta currencies would be uh, would be pressured, and that's one of our surprises. They haven't been, and clearly, you know, this commodity complex story is is one of the, those things that's driving it. Contrast that with, I mean, you, you talked about the dollar. We're up at um, we're at almost at ninety eight on the DXY, which would be a new high for 
you know, since since the pandemic, uh, the euro is obviously the corollary of that down at one ten and a half. The euro is in a world of pain. I mean, if you look at the euro against a whole, you know, fifteen or so of its of its of its currency peers, it's down between point three and sort of two and three quarters percent since the twenty fourth the invasion. The biggest drops are against the Aussie and against the Kiwi. So you know um, that just tells you where the FX market is is, is focused on. Um, yeah. the, 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 the proximity of the damage, and of course. That proximity story plays into Australia, of course, but uh, but also there's the there's the commodity yeah, side of it as well. The, the trade ties, obviously, between uh, between Europe and uh, and, and Russia, Clearly, and then yeah. as a uh, corollary to that, uh, the the fact that you know that there's therefore many sanctioned individuals and institutions that are tying up money. So there's you know some bonds are being held by institutions that have been sanctioned, so they are basically frozen out and that's creating problems in the in the repo markets there's all sorts of uh, unintended consequences that i suspect we're going to see over the next week or so yeah we need to wait for the tide to go out on that a little bit more to see what this situation is i mean from a central bank point of view they're obviously monitoring liquidity situation they'll stand ready to do what is needed and i mm. suspect you know that's what we're going to hear from the ECB when they meet next week. Yeah. Um, a bit more of that, standing ready on the TLTROs and those kinds of things. And maybe uh, more fiscal spending from the uh, EC as well. I mean, we might see more of that down the pipeline with all this disruption from the war. Perhaps that's, you know, that is something that Jerome Powell doesn't have to contend with because uh, obviously Joe Biden's stimulus packages are dead, at least for now. But maybe they'll have to bring more production home as well because we've got things like Russia, for example, block the delivery of rocket engines to the US, uh, they said today. Uh, and the US has said, oh, well, you know, we'll 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 just make them ourselves. And uh, you, you think, you know, uh, one by one, we're, we're not going to rely on Russia for anything ever again. Uh, and we'll see how China behaves. But you know, more and more production is going to be bought on shore, isn't it? Just picking up on, on what you're saying about Powell and his his uh, sort of slightly more nuanced conversation today phraseology about you know we don't really know what's coming down the track with the uh, with the invasion. There was a, a couple of interesting studies out. Um, from the New York Fed, uh, always a central focus really for markets. One noted uh, that it's in its global supply chain uh, pressure index, um, which aggregates sort of um, indicators such as you know freight costs and PMIs and those kinds of things, ease broadly in February. I mean, that's not totally unexpected. It's what Powell and others and have been thinking, but it, it, nonetheless, it's an encouraging development. Um, right. uh, because because, COVID, it's glacial, because COVID's but, easing away. But now, but now we're getting a whole other supply well, chain. Well, also, but also to your point about global supply chains, they will repair in time. It's going to take time, but we're starting to see some of these things, some of these pressures ease. I would say, I would say that today's PMI, the USISM, didn't actually show you any kind of relief in order backlogs or supply chains. But this is an aggregated thing that looks at the broader trends. And uh, to that to that point, it's very encouraging. The other thing that they noted, the New York Fed noted, is that, is that there's an analysis on the flat Phillips curve and suggesting that that means to bring inflation down uh, that is driven by a supply shock requires a deep and protracted contraction, um, surmising that that's doesn't sound like an attractive option, really. Uh, one caveat, of course, is is that there's, is that the combination. What we're seeing here is a combination of both demand and supply shocks. But the read through is simplistically is is that is 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 on doubt on the need for the Fed to go super hard so fast. 
that's that's you know that's that would be the read through from those reports which i think gels with the sort of question mark mm. that uh, jay powell was just leaving with markets today well do you know what i do love to end on a cliffhanger so we'll leave it there for now uh, good to talk gavin have a great weekend we'll talk to you next week thanks thanks phil and that's it that's the morning call for another week i'm phil dobby for now back again on monday morning see you then